Ready to celebrate International Women's Day? M&M's and iHeart present Women Take the Mic, sharing empowering stories of women supporting and celebrating each other. And of course, there is a smooth and creamy companion for your listening pleasure, peanut butter M&M's, because they're just another way to help treat yourself in situations where you deserve a little added delight, like listening to your favorite podcast. So savor the deliciousness of peanut butter M&M's and spread some positivity. From breaking glass ceilings to dominating in sports and entertainment, women truly are unstoppable. Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80, live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infinity QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Bring spring color inside this season with Bare Premium Plus paint starting at just $28.98 a gallon at the Home Depot. Add a pop of blue to your kitchen with the Bare exclusive color Arrowhead Lake or a splash of Amazon jungle to your living room. Bring a cool breeze to your bathroom with sea glass or accent your bedroom with sunrise-inspired colors like coral cloud and dark crimson. Let your creativity bloom this spring with Bare Premium Plus paint starting at just $28.98 a gallon at The Home Depot. How doers get more done. Welcome to Night Call, a production of iHeartRadio. It's 2 a.m. Last call in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. And you're listening to Night Call. Welcome back to Night Call, a call-in show for your dystopian reality. I'm Molly Lambert, and with me, as always, are... Emily Yoshida and... Tess Lynch. Hi, guys. Hey, guys. How's it going? (laughs) (laughs) Tess has fully embraced the, like, end of Twin Peaks, Bob and Cooper laughing in the Black Lodge. I've lost it. I mean, yeah. Tell us where you're recording from today. All right, I'm going to tell you. Well, first of all, um, if you heard our last episode, our most recent episode, I would like to apologize. There were technical issues, and those were the fault of, I, I want to say, not really me, but the infrastructure of my home situation. <laughs> like, it's nothing really that I could do. Um, I was spectrum. in my garage. What? Yeah, it's Spectrum. Definitely Spectrum. Spectrum. Everything is Spectrum's fault. Oh, my God. People are happy to blame Spectrum. Yes, let's blame Spectrum. Right now, so I had to think of something else. And I realized I always felt like my house was like the perfect size. But in the past week, I've realized it is not the perfect size (laughs) at all. So long story short, I'm in my closet, uh, which is, (laughs) as I pointed out, not a walk-in closet. 
Like I can fit myself kind of, but I'm all smushed into a little ball. Um, it's actually and perfect. It's, it's a perfect. Perfect for you. Well, Is it's it perfect a, for me? It's perfect for sound. Yeah, and, it's great for sound. And over the Hangout, we are getting the video view of it. And it really looks like you're just taking shelter in place, like seriously. like to I'm heart. sheltering in place. <laughs> I'm safer were, at home. You were wearing the hat that we brought you from the Area 51 and uh, Nuclear Testing Museum. I was. Where and, they had a bunch of hello. dioramas of bunkers. Yes, just, this yeah. is my bunker. It's your bunker. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's horribly uncomfortable, but at least I can see and hear you guys, which is nice. On Wednesday after we recorded, I had a, a good long sit with my feelings of just it's I'm finding it very difficult to use my brain as like an adult woman and also as a mom and have no wall at all. Like no, there's no separate zone for those things. Yeah. And it's making me feel like I'm losing my mind. <laughs> and I hate it. <laughs> well, at least now you have your she shed. Yes, my she shed. <laughs> your very cozy she shed. Um, I think that a lot of people are in a similar boat as you right now, though. I think like, so. There's social distancing, but then there's getting extremely close with the people who happen to be in the home with you. Yeah. And it's, it's like, like, it's great to an extent. I love being able to spend a lot of time with my family. And, you know, I'm kind of unschooling after having failed at homeschooling. I'm like, no, fuck this. We're just going to hang out and do stuff, which is great. But then when it comes time to like be a normal individual human you're like no I'm just I'm part of this like living organism of the family unit and then right. you feel like you're losing your your brain I have been doing a lot of Betty Draper jokes yes <laughs> it's definitely got that energy it does feel like no matter how big the space or small the space you live in is it's like there's something about being by yourself versus being with other people yeah. Where it's just very different, and we're all in different situations right now, but there's upsides and downsides to both, one might For say. Sure. <laughs> Many pros and cons to every situation. <laughs> yes. I just keep thinking, like, if I were by myself, how many days would I, like, What would I enjoy like three days in a row? Would I make it four days without being, without losing it? Because, like, with yeah. my family, I made it really a solid like six days before I thought oh uh oh maybe we're gonna fight <laughs> and we have but anyway it's good to see you guys from my she shed hello yeah hello hey we yeah we wanted to just sort of check in in general and and the opening of the show and 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 talk about our different quarantine slash self-isolation um I guess experiences also like I feel like new little hiccups or or like, oh, I didn't realize this is going to be a thing about it comes up every day. I've um, learned so much from doomsday preppers, which is funny because they keep saying things on the show to be like, don't worry, this won't happen. But then a lot of the things they refer to already are happening now. Right. The shows from a few years ago. There's one guy who's like, well, if something bad happened everywhere at once, they wouldn't be able to send FEMA everywhere. And every man would just be for himself. And I was like, huh, oh. interesting. <laughs> See, again, like, it's like they're just a little too excited about that prospect. And now oh, they're very seeing... excited about it. But it also made me realize that um, their their main reason for having a lot of kids is so you can form them into a militia. 
Yeah, you got to yes. get a kid army going on. What could go wrong? I can't believe that. they can show it on the show. They just show all these like parents teaching their you know ten year olds to shoot a gun. I'm just like, wow, you can show this on television. I guess. Have you checked in with any of the preppers from the show to see if they're like weighing in on um, this pandemic? Because you no, said it was from a few years ago. Yeah, you got to yeah. look them up. There was one episode that was two Jewish preppers, and that was a very good one that I would like to know more about what the uh, the Zionist Jewish preppers who said the Exodus was a bug out are are doing now. Where where did they live? They lived in the South, mm-hmm. but there are preppers everywhere. There was an episode that took place in New York called Escape from New York that was... <laughs> To like a young guy, an old guy, and a woman. And the woman was the most interesting because she had actually lived through Hurricane Katrina in her car. So I was like, this person's not a prepper. They're just practical and have PTSD. Like Hurricane Sandy just made her be like, well, if something like Katrina happened in New York, like what the fuck would I do? I need to have a plan. Yeah. Uh, and then the episode is her like 14 mile trek out of New York and the things that could go wrong. Sure makes you think, guys. Going on a road trip right now seems stressful. Yes, but a, but a road trip in a movie, because today we're going to talk about, don't worry, it won't be all pandemic talk today. We're also going to talk about Netflix's Tiger King docuseries and the movie Magic Mike XXL. A One road of those trip things of the mind. it could be ar- argued is just a different kind of pandemic, uh, and the <laughs> other is a soothing balm. Uh, <laughs> well, I, but I wanted to talk to you guys today about something I was tweeting about last night because I think it really, it's continued to be something I've noticed on social media, um, yes, particularly on Twitter, which is the 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 quarantine shame tweet. Um, yes, which I saw uh, your tweets about this. I'm so glad we're talking about this. Yeah. So, um, obviously I think all three of us here, and I think most of our listeners are smart enough to know, to take all of this stuff seriously. If you have a shelter in place order, and even if you don't just trying to minimize your time outside, um, you know, making sure to clean your hands and disinfect stuff that's coming in from outside. Um, but there are seem to be there are a lot of specifics in that that I think have not been really gone over by any kind of um, greater authority, state or federal, because our country is a disaster right now. Um, and so a lot of people have just kind of been filling in the blanks outside of like the very murky term social distancing. Like, what does that actually mean in practice? What do you do should you have to go out into the world and get groceries or something? And the the kinds of reactions that I see and like here on podcasts and stuff about um, how people are just living their lives day to day is really striking because it's just like there's no there isn't a rule book. And I feel like and and I'm not saying like, therefore, it's totally OK that somebody went out on a hike with 15 people like I'm guessing that's not great. But, you know, when people are yelling at people on Twitter for going out on a walk or something solo um, or not assuming that they are taking the proper precautions to keep a distance from other people out there. I don't know. It's just been interesting to watch because it's like everybody's making up their own rules for this. And if you don't follow another person's rules, 
then you're going to hear about it. I don't know. Yeah, um, I mean, I think it's it's interesting because like so I have a dog and obviously if you have a dog, you have to walk the dog. In our neighborhood, there are a lot of people with dogs and with kids. And so, like, sometimes people will congregate on someone's lawn and literally our neighbors have a measuring tape. And if someone gets too close, they'll whip out the measuring tape and make sure everyone stays six feet apart. So I was chatting with my neighbors. We're all I mean, I was like across the street. We're all really spread out. And someone drove by and was like, bad idea. And then I was like, is it? But we're, I'm standing super far away. There were like six people and I was just, you know, walking my dog. But all of a sudden I realized like people are interpreting the rules so differently. If you have to go to the grocery store, you know, I mean, Emily, I think you mentioned like um, on Twitter that the Instacart workers are going to strike or going to, is that what, what it was? Yeah. And it's like great because they're being exploited. Like I, I don't. You just have, but you have to get groceries. Like what are you gonna do? And there are all of these different ways to figure out how to, you know, get a restaurant that is closed and turned into kind of an ad hoc market. And you can do contactless pickup. But then I start thinking of all my neighbors who are like maybe in their 80s and aren't on Facebook, like looking at the list of all the neighborhood places that do it. And they're going, they're wearing gloves. They're going to, you know, the supermarket um, as quickly as they can, staying out of people's way. But is that wrong? You know, well, I mean, it's just nobody I, knows. Somebody, I, I just don't think like I, in my mind, and again, not a public health official, uh, our, our, our public health scientist who was on the podcast can maybe call in and weigh in on this. <laughs> but like, if I think about like when I did my one, one first and last Instacart order, um, that I felt really bad about, yeah. um, when that kid came to my door, first of all, he came to my door and was like holding the bags there. I had to take the bags out of his hand. He was definitely less than six feet away from me. Yeah. And this kid has been shopping for people all day and been out at the store all day picking up. And it's just like, I would rather just go myself, take all the precautions that I take every time I go out and outside, which is at least gloves on, um, always have a little spray hand sanitizer and a mask if I think I'm, if there's a high likelihood that I'm going to be close to people. Yeah. Um, and I do that every every time I go out. And I would rather do that one trip, taking all those precautions, coming home, cleaning all my clothes and everything, um, than like put somebody else in this position where they're basically be like I'm sending somebody out into like toxic sludge to do my dirty work for me. I exactly. Mean, right. I hate well, it. it. The problem is it's all like company by company and as we've seen, just a lot of these companies are like, fuck it, like we're not going to change anything. So Trader Joe's also, its workers are trying to unionize because they're not getting, I mean, for they were already trying to unionize, but they're not getting hazard pay. They're not getting provided gloves. Right. So the people that are working like on the front lines of this who are grocery store workers are not being protected, which means they can't protect other people. And yeah. the Instacart thing is especially insane because we're also in this time where everybody is getting laid off and losing their job. And the only job you can get right now is to be like an Amazon right. surf who brings yeah. rich people their food. But again, I think you're right. I do feel like it's like me leaving the house once every couple of weeks to get groceries feels like a more manageable risk than 
just getting them from somebody who's been shopping all day in proximity with a bunch of other vulnerable, desperate people that yeah. need money. Yeah. And no, I totally agree. I also I think if you go. So when we go to the when I go to the grocery store, either me or my husband goes in. I think we've had to go three times um, since the, you know, schools closed. So in the mm -hmm. past, like maybe maybe twice. Um, but one of us goes in. We're like fully suited up. If you are very if you're super cautious and you're doing it only if you really need food, then it just seems so much more logical. Also, when you have someone go with Instacart, you have to be in constant contact with them because so much of the food isn't available. Yeah. And then you're asking someone to make choices for you that like it's time consuming yeah. for them. It heightens their risk. Um, there's also the question of getting takeout from restaurants, which I feel like is necessary for sanity every so often and also makes you helps you be able to support businesses in your neighborhood that are like small businesses that are really suffering. But well, then I, I somebody was going on about the like, you know, how long it lives on cardboard. And despite a lot of people saying reassuring things like, you know, just use common sense, take it out of the container it came in, nuke it if you can, heat it above 170 degrees, like it's fine. People are still so nervous about that too, even occasionally. I think also there I'd read like an actually sort of comforting article from somebody about the half-life stuff that made it had some actual information about the post article that you linked to. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's about how long how it does live less long on actual food than on right. surfaces. And so the half-life of it is don't quote me, I think it's in the article, something like five and a half hours. So if you do like get your your groceries that are fruits and vegetables at least and like leave them out on the counter for a few days it will actually not be on it anymore yeah allegedly and also yeah. the, fr the fridge speeds up the process and cooking I don't know if it kills it necessarily but it seems like most people are saying it is okay to get takeout that you need to just reheat it yourself yeah but you know I wouldn't maybe I don't know. I think nobody knows. I think that's the thing. But it's also like there are some risks you have to take that are like manageable exactly. risks in order to be alive right now. And yeah. I think and it I is think sort that of pe yeah. people are just assuming that people are doing the stupidest thing because the stuff that goes around and goes viral is people doing the stupidest thing. Yeah. But like, you know, as I have said multiple times on this podcast, I am moving in the middle of all of this and I do have to go out into the world and get stuff more than I would have to if I was just if I wasn't doing all this so I've I've had to you know I've I've very carefully weighed like what stuff I want to do delivery versus what stuff I just need to go out into the world and get um picking up stuff on Craigslist which might sound yeah. insane but it's but like I, I go out with like a Lysol spray like in and right. greet people the, with a Lysol spray like a psycho <laughs> like the virus <laughs> the virus is not airborne you have to be relatively yeah. close to somebody to get it you know in person yeah. But, but yeah. I mean, and I have this whole staging area now in my living room where everything that I bring in sits for like two full days. Yeah. yeah. And, and while people are I just wait afraid. for it to like air out or whatever. But you people, know, it's also, oh, sorry, you go ahead, Molly. I was just going to say, people are super afraid and they're super online because they're yeah. at home all the time. So there's also a lot of panic and an anxious energy that people are putting into Twitter and message boards or whatever more than ever. Yeah. Because nobody knows. 
And it's also, I mean, there was so much misinformation or it wasn't really even misinformation, but just the the most um, kind of scary interpretation of how this was transmitted was circulating about a week ago. And at some point I read something that clearly wasn't true about it being able to live in suspended in air for like four hours. And I had just gotten back from walking around the block, which I now do less and less because, you know, I mean, I walk my dog just as much as I need to walk my dog. But then I come right in. But at at that point, I had just walked my kid. She was like in a little push car. And we went on a mile and a half long just stroll, staying far away from people. Yeah. And then I got home and read that and was like, (gasps) you know, so terrified. And now it's been pretty much debunked. Not that I'm going to take another long walk, but it's like the the waves of horrible panic. I don't think there's a reason for you not to take a long walk if you're not in contact with anybody. Well, I think also- that I don't want to like do anything that even could possibly right. increase anyone's right. risk. But I I don't think I can go two months without taking a long walk. But we're you know what I we're mean? also we are in Los Angeles, which, as we've said, like the marriage movie marriage story says, there's a lot of space. Yes. Yeah. So I think also the directives, it's become like a state's rights issue where some people are putting a super intense clamp down and other places aren't at all. But also even in L.A. where they did put out a shelter at home order, people still were like, I can go to a hike in a group of people and we'll all just stay far apart. But like, obviously, that doesn't work in practice at big hiking places like Runyon. So they did shut it down. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think also a thing that I've tried to remember is that a lot of the people that I follow on social media are living in New York and well, I think it's very going different for a there. walk in New York has different implications than yeah. going for a walk in Los Angeles. And so this is more to our New York listeners. Just like understand well, that not everybody lives, you know, in a place that dense. Darcy, that- Darcy Wilder, friend of the pod, also did something amazing because she was feeling very cooped up. She lives in Manhattan uh, and she was like, should I go for a walk? And everybody on Twitter was like, yeah. She was like, should I go to Times Square? And they were like, sure. (laughs) And then she went to Times Square and she put up the link to EarthCam to the Times Square feed that I keep talking about where you can see people in Times Square and you could Mm -hmm. see her being the only person in Times Square, like Vanilla Sky. Wow. Um, She was totally suited up. She was like not near anyone. Um, It was really cool and weird I was like the (laughs) most fun I had in a week you know I was like that's my friend she's outside I can see her I was like waving at the screen even though she couldn't (laughs) see me (laughs) but you know I think yeah if you are being smart about it the problem is like if everyone thinks they're being smart about it and they actually aren't or people who are just being dumb about it like the spring break kids yeah who are just like YOLO Yeah, I mean, like, I went, I I had the idea one day, like, I had to go pick up lunch from somewhere, and and then I was like, oh, it's nice out. I'll, I'm going to go sit in Griffith Park and eat this. And then I got up to, like, Ferndale, and there was just a line of cars going down yeah. Las Villas, and 
I've never seen it like that. Like not even on a regular weekend. And then I was like, oh, okay, I'm not going. Like, yeah. Like, yeah. Why be in that line? Like you're going into something that obviously <laughs> there's going to be high density. Like that's the stuff where I'm just like, okay, just use common sense. But well, yeah, I, think- I also think though that sometimes th- this, I have a friend who was trying to go to the beach and she was like figuring nobody would be at the beach. This was a week ago. And she was driving to the beach and she was looking out her window and she was like, everyone had the same idea. She thought it would be the opposite, that she would be like the, the only person who wanted to do that. But they ended up having to drive really far north, I guess, um, like past where they normally went to find a place that wasn't densely populated. So it's also one of those things where you're trying to guess how cautious people are well, going to yeah. be. And- Our friend, one of my friend went to the beach um, and then they shut them down the next day. Because I think they realized that most people were going. They probably should have shut them down in the first place. But it, there are places like Florida where, like, individual cities still aren't shutting them down necessarily. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's scary, too, because then the way stuff like that is enforced is scary and militarized. Just the idea of, like, we literally can't be out in the streets right now because there's also a lot of other bad stuff going on in the government where it's like, oh, we, like, can't protest. <laughs> Because we can't go outside. Like, that feels very fucked up, too. Yeah, but I'm, I I don't know. Anytime I hear about some sort of draconian seeming measure being taken by any government, state, or local, or otherwise, like my friend in Berlin just said she saw people, uh, police officers in the, the plots outside of her house, like, um, getting people to move from who were sitting on benches, like you know, yeah, no I mean, I people sit there, and I was like, even in wow. Germany, in like <laughs> Berlin, I was yeah. just like, that sounds good. <laughs> well, I'm jealous in, of that. I think yeah. in Europe too, it's like maybe they do feel, you know, people were still going out into the public space there too, and I don't think this is just an American problem. Like they're having an issue in Japan that people were going out to see the cherry blossoms because they were like coming back out too quickly. That wasn't it, an issue in Japan, though. They have no regulations right now for what people are allowed to do and not. My friend in Tokyo is still being sent to work every day. They're just like really? in mega denial over it in Japan. That's wow. like, they're, it's not that people were like rebelling against any kind of government ordinance. Right, they just don't have an ordinance. They That's have zero. It's crazy. Yeah. Well, they did postpone the Olympics, y'all. Yes. Although they put out the worst statement that was like, we're just going to call them the 2020 Olympics still in 2021, which is like, Weird. yes, everyone will be want, want to be reminded of 2020. Yeah, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> <Number> 2020. <laughs> Let's take a break real quick and then we'll come back with one of the things we might remember fondly about 2020, Tiger King. Hi, I'm Cindy Crawford, and I'm the founder of Meaningful Beauty. Well, I don't know about you, but, like, I never liked being told, oh, wow, you look so good for your age. Like, why even bother saying that? Why don't you just say you look great at any age, every age? That's what Meaningful Beauty is all about. We create products that make you feel confident in your skin at the age you are now. Meaningful Beauty. Beautiful skin at every age. Learn more at MeaningfulBeauty.com. 
This is Tracy V. Wilson from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. That makes us FACET for life now, I guess. (laughs) Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. You're ready for a comeback. And with Purdue Global, you can do more than take classes. You can take charge of your story, of your career, of your life. Earn a degree you can be proud of and get an education employers respect. It's time, your time, not just to go back to school, but to come back and move forward with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback at purdueglobal.edu. Welcome back to Night Call. We're going to talk about Tiger King. Emily is on the screen and she is nodding her head no. I'm She's shaking, shaking her head no. Head. Shaking you can only head. nod yes. I'm still shaking my head at you saying it's one of the things we'll enjoy remembering about 2020. And you know why? Uh, nobody will remember this outside of 2020 <laughs> because it is a Netflix docuseries and nobody remembers those. Uh, okay, but they are you made have to, to be consumed and forgotten. But you have yes, to admit the time was perfect for like a big bag of Doritos for your brain. Yes. Called Tiger King, a big bag of Cool Ranch flavor. I, there's it's a spicy there's a spiciness to this you're not capturing. I think it's a flame and hot Cheeto. Ooh, it is a flame and hot Cheeto. It's a flame and hot cheetah. It's a bag of (laughs) It's a very spicy show. Should we talk about what we liked first or should we should we give it to uh give it to the the doomer, Debbie Doomer? Let's give it to the doomer. Me no, you guys you guys explain the premise more because you I think you guys have both also watched more of it than I have. Okay. Okay. But I know vaguely what goes down, but you can Okay. Yeah. Tiger King is a documentary about the world of big cat, they're not trainers, they're just sort of exploiters of <laughs> large, beautiful cats. Um, centering around Joe Exotic, who owns a place where you can come take a photo with a baby tiger and is the most interesting man in the world. And his yes. rivals, including Carol Baskin, who runs a, a big cat sanctuary in Florida. Uh, Joe Exotic is in Oklahoma, I believe. Yeah. 
or mm-hmm. Ohio. It starts and with it's in Oklahoma. Yeah. It starts with talking about there are some states that have crazy loose uh wild animal restrictions. I know this because my friends from Ohio say that in Ohio you can own a tiger, apparently. And a lot of people own a tiger. I think this has gone over in the series. You can own a tiger anywhere in the U.S. um, Or at least at at the time that the story starts, you could. I don't know if any more legislation. I don't think that's true. I don't think you can own a tiger in California. You you cannot sell them. It's state law then in California. Federal law. There's no federal law against owning an exotic animal. You know Um, who else owns an exotic animal? Justin Bieber. Oh, yeah, but also Louisiana State <laughs> University. <laughs> well, so Justin Bieber, though, owning, what does he own? He, he had a monkey. He some servals and a monkey. Yeah. yeah. Well, does he still have the monkey? No, no, he wasn't allowed to. They confiscated it in Australia. Right. It was a big thing. Right, that was, that was it. Ago, yeah. But he has some big cats now, though, He has right? some baby big mm-hmm. cats. He has some servals, and they are not, they're not like real wild cats. They're the kind you can have. Other okay. rich people have them. I'm just saying. So I'm it's not, okay. It's okay. <laughs> if I'm, rich people did it, it's okay. <laughs> well, they're really, they're really cute. Okay, just saying. They're extremely cute cats. So, extremely but cute. you're also you're forgetting one of my favorite characters, Bhagavan Doc Antle. Yeah, I forget where his his park is. The shit. That's, I mean, that's he, in Myrtle Little Beach, isn't it? I think so. Let me. He it's in South Carolina. He and Joe uh, yes, Exotic are like they're not rivals. They like respect each other from a distance, but they they work in the same business. Yeah, I mean Joe the Exotic looks business. like he looks like David Spade kind of. I, I was like casting this. I think oh, everyone who's we watched casting this is casting it. Uh, my friend Max Lavestri and I both were like Nick Kroll will win will win a Golden Globe for playing this. The oh yeah, Joe Nick, so. So he'll be so exotic. I also saw maybe a young Joe Pantoliano. As oh, Joe I exotic. can see that. I well, I was I was got really hooked on Doc Antle being John C. Riley at some point. Mm. Also, because I just watched Step Brothers, and this has like a Step Brothers energy to it. It has a real Step Brothers <laughs> energy to uh, it, where you're just not sure if you should feel bad. You know, you should feel kind of bad for enjoying it. But you can't really help it. I mean, Emily, it, did you yeah. watch? Did you ever watch Cat Dancers? Did we do that? Yeah, we watched it on the pod. Yeah, we right. it for I this can't remember. Podcast. Okay, well, I just feel like this is in the extended Cat Dancers universe. Yeah, People, but Cat Dancers was produced before Netflix. Um, I will. Yeah, <laughs> I also. Like, yeah, I, I think Cat Dancers is less trying to. To, to sell itself on the wacky personalities where you want to stunt cast it. Uh, like, obviously, that's a part of it, but it's less like it's a real life Christopher Guest movie or whatever. Um, no, it's a it's a real life uh, Danny McBride, Walton Goggins, yeah. and Edie Patterson show. That is who should play all the roles. But whatever one may think about the more the morality of such a show existing, much like a circus. It's also uh, pretty entertaining. Well, because... There are twists and turns. You watch one episode and you believe you know who the villain is. And then you watch the second episode. You're like, oops, I was wrong. It's this other person. And then by the third episode, you realize that the the true villain was the unlikeliest of all. And then, 
later on, I'm just going to say, like, this show does have morals. It's made by a conservationist. Like, the point is that these places shouldn't exist. Yes. It's definitely not in favor of places where people go take pictures with baby animals. It's just, like, documenting them, but also totally shows what's wrong with them. And there's a very moving part at the end where it shifts the focus to larger conservation issues and talks about, like, the folly of trying to keep big cats as pets in any type of way. So I think if you make it to the end. Yeah, I'm less concerned with the animals um, in the movie. Go on. I think think the humans are all, uh, they are all uh, abuse victims in different ways. And uh, many people are being actively abused that are uh, on camera. And it is being... uh, framed as a goofy romp Uh, i don't think it's being framed as a goofy romp though i think it's it's like it's like several cults operating at once it's very similar to finding neverland in some ways because it also you know michael jackson obviously also used having exotic animals as a way to lure people in it sort of just shows the extent to which people can be lured in by exotic animals yeah to a place you didn't know they wanted to go um yeah, when you get guess, into the I guess they, I the thing for me is that like I think it does a decent job of of getting into how these sort of outsized basically cult leaders they are like you know it gets into how each of them basically are operating cult like operations or just outright cults I would say in the case of uh Bhagavan Doc Bhagavan. Doc Doc, yeah. Doc Antle um but uh, I think then, then it becomes a thing that's sort of just like this, this, this moral dilemma that we, I feel like, have been grappling with since the 2016 election, which is just like, okay, this person is like doing active harm and uh, wants, you know, wants things that are actively bad for other people and animals in this case. And, but like, we can also still laugh at them. I guess that, that's sort of the, that's sort of the thing I was unable to kind of just latch onto. Like, this doesn't feel like Doritos to me. Every aspect of it is so dark. Like, even oh, Carol. I love that. I like it. it uh, I just, because Human I don't nature. think that, I, I, I do think that the show is, is conscious of the, 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 the dilemma around the animals, but I, I, I don't feel I, I feel like its treatment of the people is just, it, it, especially because the context of the framing of it being a Netflix documentary and the degree to which it's just disposable, it's just like, okay, so we're just being given these people as like grist for the mill of content. No, and I don't know. If, not, I, I don't know if I, I think that though. I, I feel totally, like you're kind of latching onto the fact that this is a Netflix joint and, and bringing a lot of like you know feeling as though it's just meant to be consumed and forgotten but I actually I I don't feel that way necessarily about this one yeah to me this is something it's not even like the jinx where the guy is like clearly evil the whole time and you're just like waiting for him to admit it to me it's more like the staircase where you're like even though these people are all narcissistic sociopaths there's like a depth and a humanity to them anyway and Joe Exotic as just like a super out openly gay guy sort of operating in this like deep South redneck space and being just out. It's very weirdly transgressive. Just like his community of people that like they do. It's, it's interesting. It's just fucking interesting. It's like, 
you understand that he's like luring people in by being like, here's a space for outsiders and people who don't belong. And here's all these like big cats and we're this weird family, this weird commune. And then you're like, oh, actually, this is super toxic and bad and all about him. But you understand why people want that. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I think that I, I would not say that Joe Exotic is unsympathetic. It's not that he's just a monster. It's that he is like a profoundly damaged person who I do think like when he is showing love to one of his many husbands or to his animals, I believe it. And I think that he is a person who is capable of love, but like obviously, like America has just done a fucking num- number on him via his parents who were abusive, um, via just like capitalism and probably like uh, gun culture and everything else. Like I, I think like it's just sad to me. It's like it's just sad. His his whole case is sad to me because I don't think that he is unsympathetic. Um, but yeah, I'm just so obsessed with Carol. Guys, well, Carol. I, Carol was the one I really latched onto here. Um, I think that Carol. I'm again. I finished the third episode. I'm really excited to dive back in. I I don't know. I mean, I see. I see what Emily's saying. I think my thing though is that like these are all people who are damaged in ways that I feel like I'm enjoying kind of exploring like why they all kind of got drawn into a very specific racket. Well, I think a lot of animal rights people too are like they hate humans. Yes. You know? Yes. 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 A hundred percent. Or like you know, so not all... tapped into like human pain and suffering to the right. degree that they're tapped they... into like animals. Well like Brigitte Bardot is the famous one because she mm-hmm. like is a super racist uh but loves animals and is like, or a Lisa Vanderpump. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> no, totally, totally. There's a lot of them. Yeah. Where Tony just, like, Soprano. Right. Yes. Go to fiction like, for it. Well, yeah. he he's he's like a Joe Exotic to me. Joe Exotic is a yeah. Tony Soprano figure to yeah. me. Totally. Because you're just like, he built an empire in this niche world where people are super passionate about this thing that's insane and you have to be insane to do it. And he like came from nothing and made this empire and then he loses it. It's very novelistic yeah um and i understand i, I do like i understand i mean I, carol is 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 interesting as well though like i Did didn't you, get through that third episode um do you which get to is the mostly twist? about who like her husband the mysterious death of her husband that her detractors uh seem to think she has murdered i don't know if that actually ends up being the case or not but uh, well would you like a spoiler hella shady so i wouldn't put it past her but tess do you think do you think carol fed her husband to the tigers a hundred percent i do me too and i'll tell you why I'll tell you why. I was watching it. So she has, not to sound too under the Silver Lake here, but she has this like expression that she she maintains the whole time you know her. And then when um when she is asked about the allegations that she killed her husband and fed him, put him through a meat grinder and fed him to tigers, she her eyes like pop and she makes this the expression that if you are if you're used to like knowing that someone's lying when you're talking to them, for instance, it's this one, this thing that people do when they're caught and they do it with their eyes and they go like, 
pop and she does it and i was my husband and i were both like ah there it is she fucking did it she fed she fed him right to the tigers also she's i'm confident she's also wearing a flower crown for much of it yeah she's midsummer we now know signifies that you are down to do some ritual sacrifice Mm -hmm. she for sure did it and it's also like then you're like oh well is she worse for being a horrible person who presents herself as a saint than joe exotic who's like a psycho but everybody knows he's a psycho they're like oh our lovable psycho friend i just figured that carol was a really big lana fan which i would also <laughs> completely buy well uh, there's something anybody who's like i can tame a giant a wild cat it's like grizzly man it's like yeah, sure the hubris of humans to think that you can contain nature like the end of it is very annihilation because it is just like this isn't gonna work ever and like these animals don't deserve to be in cages yeah um yeah i think like very early on it starts showing people who have kind of uh you know had the had the various animals lash out against them lost limbs lost legs and stuff like that um well saf who's the worker at the the place it's a zoo i'll call it a zoo saf is um he identifies as male. Uh, he's the one who lost his arm mm. to a tiger. But the guy who and lost again, his legs, that was a zipline. That was a zipline accident. That, that was, was a zipline. Zip line. Yeah. Yeah. But, but like just, the whole thing about the rush of having the proximity to this animal that could kill you. I mean, it was interesting also to see the overlap in the timeline of, of Joe Exotic's popularity and the, the tiger photo phenomenon on Tinder. Um, Cause I was like, Oh yeah, I remember that when that was like right. the joke that everybody's posing with tigers on Tinder. Um, but yeah, I was like, Oh yeah, this was a thing for a while and probably well, still is in many circles. Um, I think it's like also acknowledging that like Joe Exotic is just like a talented Mr. Ripley, you know, like, as we've seen with Mayor Pete, that like somebody can be queer and also a, a sociopath who like. Is no, that? I'm not going to say he's a sociopath. <laughs> I don't think Mayor Pete is a sociopath. I will be the voice of dissent with this. I don't think he would have made a very good president, but I don't think he's a sociopath. It's okay if they're watching you in your closet right now and you don't. <laughs> <laughs> I I don't I you know. <laughs> I feel like I, I need to sometimes things go get a little like off the wall in here, not in the closet, but on the pod. <laughs> but I, <laughs> I do want to say, like, I would not have wanted to vote for Mayor Pete, but I, I'm not I don't know him well enough to say he's a sociopath. OK, I'm just, just saying, me. yeah, if I found out he fed someone to tigers tomorrow, I would not be super surprised. That's my my personal cool. take. <laughs> Why don't we take a break? Yeah. <laughs> yeah OK. And then we'll come back with something everyone likes. Magic Mike XXL. Hi, I'm Cindy Crawford, and I'm the founder of Meaningful Beauty. Well, I don't know about you, but like I never liked being told, oh, wow, you look so good for your age. Like, why even bother saying that? Why don't you just say you look great at any age, every age? That's what Meaningful Beauty is all about. We create products that make you feel confident in your skin at the age you are now. Meaningful Beauty. Beautiful skin at every age. Learn more at MeaningfulBeauty.com. 
This is Tracy V. Wilson from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. That makes us FACET for life now, I guess. (laughs) Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. You're ready for a comeback. And with Purdue Global, you can do more than take classes. You can take charge of your story, of your career, of your life. Earn a degree you can be proud of and get an education employers respect. It's time, your time, not just to go back to school, but to come back and move forward with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback at purdueglobal.edu. Welcome back to Night Call. Here we are, still on spring break. It's still March. (laughs) How? Why? (laughs) Um, Worst spring break ever for for real spring break, but a fun spring break for Night Call that we're going to wrap up with. I'm not going to go that far. This yeah, was a fun we had to keep that. We had to keep the party going for one more week while it's still March. We're trying to provide still. escapism as well as information, infotainment. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, Magic Mike XXL, a road trip. Okay, movie. can I can I mention? I've not seen Magic Mike still at this moment. Have not seen it, so I jumped into the sequel. And was and and panicked at first because I was like, oh shit, it's one of those sequels where you really, really have to have seen the first one, like many sequels <laughs> in that way. But I just I I really couldn't figure out how to like make the time for this happen. So I watched just the sequel and I loved it. I don't think I you need to it. watch the first Magic Mike to appreciate Magic Mike. XXL. There was a lot of like referring to these like things that that I could have probably done the mo- bare minimum of research and been able it's, to fill no, in the gap. No, All it's going to be know is that like Mike left because he was going to like start his carpentry business, which yeah. is like very easily picked up early on in the film and that Matthew McConaughey isn't there anymore because whatever, they couldn't get him for this. He one. wasn't in the budget. But <laughs> yeah. also what what about the fiance? Was the fiance in the original one? The fiance, the fiance yeah, was the Amber girl Heard. he ended up with in or the not end Amber of the first one. Um, it, no, it was she's, the girl. Was no, the do- she's, um, she's like a nepotist 
nepotism star. She's like yeah, the daughter of a WB exec or something. I think she's good oh. in that movie. Um, yeah. Because she kind of. I think Amber Heard sucks in this one. By the way, <laughs> I I mean whatever. I have really strong opinions about the acting of Amber Heard that I try and like tamp down <laughs> sometimes. <laughs> uh, but well, yeah, she's what, doing she's doing the kind of performance that people used to like bash Kristen Stewart for doing. But Kristen Stewart yes. is actually a much much better actress than that. But I feel like Amber Heard is still doing that performance. I'm gonna stick up for Amber Heard's acting here. I thought she was fine. Oh, God, I hate her. I'm so allergic to her. I am so incredibly... Every, like, everything she does. If I she plays whole... with her hair, the way she eats cake, I'm like, oh, I can't stand this girl. <laughs> it's like, I can't stand her. The way that somebody who's never eaten cake... It's like when, when um, Rooney Mara eats the pie in a ghost story. It's like, that's a person <laughs> who's never eaten a pie. Um, exactly. <laughs> you know that I watched the entire Playboy Club show. I'm sure you did. Starring Amber Heard. One of the so, okay, many I watched half of that. Offs. See, she was so terrible in that. How can you be a? How can you stand? I was that was fine. a. I thought she that was, was fine. a bad show. Yeah, I think okay, there's. Fine. I well, think there's one connecting element between Magic Mike XXL and Tiger King, which is that it portrays Southern and Midwestern type of culture in a way that, like, I don't feel is condescending to it. That's why I feel like Tiger King is okay too, is because I don't think it's like sneering in New York media at these people. Um, and that is what I loved. About Other Magic than the Mike. general shock about the fact that somebody could be gay in Oklahoma, but it's not just that he's gay. It's not just that he's gay. It's that he has two husbands. It's the polygamy. The polygamy is the shock, which and is that also they're both straight until they met him. Yeah, two straight husbands. It's a lot of straight husbands. That would be to shocking have. in any state. I'm just gonna say it's true. <laughs> um, I, well, Magic Mike XXL is like um. It's sort of an interesting sequel in many ways, I think, because it's not directed by Soderbergh, so it's a different, like, which is just kind of common for sequels. But it also doesn't feel like it's it was not burdened by being a necessary sequel. There's nothing in the first yes. Magic Mike that's like, oh, I can't wait to see what the gang gets up to next. It has a right. fair amount of closure to it, and it's really about like it's based on Channing Tatum's life, and it's basically about him like getting out of the male stripper business and like chasing his own dreams. And, and like it, you know, it ends in a nice way. So I, I don't think, like, think they planned for it to be a hit either at all. No, right. so no, it, it yeah, definitely but, like, yeah, it's, it's basically Saturday Night Fever. It is right. Saturday Night Fever in the world of strippers, and so I was like, "Ooh, this is the staying alive." Yeah, <laughs> and it's really yeah. mostly like like Channing Tatum's character in it is not really the protagonist. Like, it's the kid played by Alex Pettifer, who's sort of the newcomer into the world, who like rises up through the ranks and then hits rock bottom, you know, all that kind of classic type stuff. So, and, and Mike is more just sort of this, like, he's sort he's of... the the old, the old uh, salt at the club. Well, he's not the oldest yeah. salt at the club. That's McConaughey. It's just like lifers, like male stripper yeah. lifers. It's like, he's like the um, pro that everybody looks up to, but he wants to get out. And this new kid is like, why would you want to get out? This is amazing. Um, yeah. But, I like anything set in a niche world, which again is also why I like Tiger King. 
Right. It's a very niche world. It's very Florida, as many of the things that we've watched this month have been. But I think that the nice thing about Magic Mike XXL, like kind of is the exception that proves the rule about sequels is that like it is a totally unnecessary sequel. And I feel like it's totally liberated by the fact that it is so unnecessary. Yeah, perfect. It's a musical. It's just a musical. It's directed by Gregory Jacobs, who's like a Soderbergh protege. Yeah, he's been like an AD, I think, on a bunch of Soderbergh movies. Mm -hmm. Um, And it features... Some of the people that were in Magic Mike, uh, Channing Tatum, Matt Bomer, Kevin Nash, and Joe Manganiello. Joe, Joe Manganiello is so good. Oh my God. MVP. <laughs> I love him so yes. much. Well, that's the thing. It's like it's not even Channing Tatum's movie. It's literally a group movie now. It's an ensemble movie yeah. for real. And it's just like I think a lot of it was improvised maybe or just like lightly scripted. A and lot of feels- the stuff where they go to um, – where they go to the house that um, that Jada Pinkett Smith runs. Rome's house. Rome's house. <laughs> like that feels very kind of like, let's just have a party. <laughs> yeah. Film yeah. It. I was uh, <laughs> so excited to see So You Think You Can Dance's Twitch boss, yes. my favorite contestant ever on So You Think You Can Dance. I was so excited to see him He's there. so awesome. Um, He's amazing. The whole yeah, ending sequence just... with him is so incredible. Yeah. So, um, so the format of the movie, it is like a road musical. It's like, let's put on a show in several different locations ending in a big show at the end yeah, at Myrtle the, Beach yeah at they're the going to stripper a, convention yeah a stripper convention they like they've all disbanded because Matthew McConaughey's character who was sort of the impresario at the strip club um, in the first film he's ditched them and like run off with their money so they're all kind of adrift and then they reunite uh, to go to head to Myrtle Beach and like have their one last shot of glory, but also one like, last job. Yeah, like ditch all their all the kind of sort of worn out um, tropes and stuff that that Matthew McConaughey had pushed on them, like the firefighter stuff and everything. And they're like, no, we're just going to find ourselves as strippers, <laughs> our personal artistic representation. Yeah, I yes. mean, again, what makes the first Magic Mike so good is like it takes male stripping super seriously. Mm-hmm. It takes female arousal very seriously and you know I just feel like Soderbergh has always been good at like sexualizing the male body as much as the female and that's like all this movie is about it's just like Mm -hmm. sexualizing men the gaze of like super hot men who are just doing whatever like regular women want all the time yeah it's just uh it's like if the world was was inverted it's just like oh yeah, I actually think that this movie even more so than the first movie. Like, I think the first movie is probably like a more functional movie as they're, far as like they're beat both, to beat. Yeah, but it's like a the, Godfather 1, Godfather 2 thing. Yeah. They're both perfect and they don't, they're not even in competition with each other. Right. Well, the second one, I think like just does the thing that you're talking about, though, which is just the like, let's just make a story like basically a, a an episodic tale a musical like a musical review that's just about women's pleasure and like and women the women women's gaze and to tell uh, you like the best part of the first movie which i will spoil for you because it's sort of spoil it when he starts dancing to pony in this movie that is when he like rediscovers but like the whole thing is that the girl he's he's courting in the first movie like comes to see him at the club and like uh-huh. This is, and that's the first time you really see him dance. And he like comes out and does this routine to Pony. And everyone in the audience, including the girls' jaws, just drop because like <laughs> no one's expecting it to be like hot, you know? So yeah. it's like 
you're just grappling with it. Like, wait, like I didn't even like Channing Tatum going into Magic Mike that much. I was yeah. like, this just you're like, oh, my God, this guy is the greatest dancer in the world. That is so hot when somebody is a good dancer, yeah. like legitimately. Right. He is our friend. Steven, <laughs> and Steven Soderbergh is the only person who's been smart enough to like put him in a musical, you know, yeah. after well, the, the step did. up movies. The said? Coens put him in. The no, the Coens, Coens did too, but did. that also. Yeah, and the step Hale up movie. I mean, this, he's he's so good in this first. Step I know, up but I'm too. just like, how have we not gotten like like why isn't there Channing Tatum guys and dolls? Like he's been famous for like a decade now. Why what, haven't we just like put him in every classic musical we have? He's fucking amazing. Yeah, this is a prop. This is a fucking problem with Hollywood. Is that like clearly. This works very well. This guy should be, and I think everybody was expecting him to be a huge, huge A-list, George Clooney-esque star. And the material just isn't there because Hollywood is not tailoring itself around, uh, you know, showing. We, we don't dudes. have those triple threats anymore. <laughs> yeah, we don't have a triple threat anymore. Maybe he's a diva, you guys. We don't well, know. No, I don't think he is. He's supposedly very like down to earth and, and nice and like is a real southern ass dude who I think is very close to his character in this movie. Like he his life story really is, you know, I don't I think he's a was a humble enough person to be a male stripper. So mm-hmm. And I think I he doesn't take himself super seriously is what I gather. So I he doesn't have that super um careerist type drive that would make no. somebody maybe be in five movies a year like he's he great in 21 jump street he's great yeah. in those movies oh yeah he's, i forgot about, he's yeah. great in a tiny part in uh side effects another super Ugh. great soderbergh oh, movie that effect. people don't talk about enough soderbergh's just so good he's it's like he's good at too many things it's so funny that everybody's like appreciating him for contagion right now because it's just like yeah he's always making good movies in different genres yeah yeah. And this, you know, is Gregory Jacobs, but it's very much in the Soderbergh house style, which is kind of like flowy and improvisational feeling, not super actorly. I think uh, that Soderbergh treats feature filmmaking like blogging. He's yes. just really, really good at it. Yeah. And so he has like a really high hit rate. But like that kind of casualness and low stakes approach to doing something like this ends up making things feel revelatory because it's not like it needs a bunch of pomp and circumstance. It's just like, no, we're going to have a dance musical about male strippers and it's going to be great. And you've never seen this before, but we're not going to make a big deal about how you've never seen it before. We're going to act like it's the most natural thing to do a movie about. I've been watching watching a ton of musicals just because like that is my comfort food film is just MGM musicals and, and depression era musicals. So I was watching It's Always Fair Weather, which I'd never seen before, which is like a Comden and Green musical from 1955 with Gene Kelly that was like a su- it's It's like Magic Mike XXL in that it was supposed to be a sequel to On the Town, but they like couldn't get all the same people. So it's yeah. like Gene Kelly and two other guys. But it just has these like insane dance numbers in it. And then I watched Magic Mike XXL right after and I was just like, right, like this is how we bring back the musical. It's not fucking La La Land. Yeah. It's like a movie where the musical numbers happen organically. They're like part of the story. They're not like taking, but they do take you out of your brain just completely. Well, and people are really dancing in that. I mean, like Emma Stone and Ryan Gosling are not like real professional. I mean, yes, like Ryan Gosling was on Mickey Mouse Club, but like he's not a real like 
she, well, we were supposed to be dancer. charmed by the shittiness of their dancing, but I was like, I'm not that no. charmed no. actually at all. No, like I want to see, I can't dance for shit. I want to see people who can really fucking dance. It makes me so happy. I used to be such a fan of um, America's Best Dance Crew. That was I watched that more than So You Think You Can Dance. And like every single time it would be on, I would just feel like the dopamine just rush into my brain, just watching people who are no, totally. really good at like working together and doing yes. these amazing physical feats. Um, it's like Love the Olympics, the but with less fascism. <laughs> <laughs> we like the Jabberwockies. <laughs> I love Jabberwockies. We yeah, almost went to go see Jabberwockies for my Bachelorette, and then we saw Magic Mike uh, instead. Right, because you wanted to. The options were that or the Baz Luhrmann Cirque du Soleil, right. <laughs> and I was like, "We're going to your Bachelorette party with like all film critics. We have to go to like the exotic male dance review based on a Steven Soderbergh movie." <laughs> it's so but great. Also, we talked about it on the podcast already, but just to reiterate, well, when this is all over, if you get to take a Vegas vacation, highly recommend the Magic Mike show. It's oh so my God. good. Yeah, I thought all the little performances in this movie are so good, too. I did like the other cameos. I liked Elizabeth Banks. Yeah, she Andy was great. McDowell. Andy oh, McDowell. Oh, so good. And, and I know also that like one of Soderbergh's things about Andy McDowell and Sex, Lies, and Videotape was he was like, everybody was so mean about her Southern accent. And yeah. I was just, and he's like from New Orleans or Louisiana. He was just like, I just thought she like sounded like people I knew. Right. Yeah. You know, so again, just to see like Southern ladies of a certain age played like not camp. It's like you never get to see that. Yeah. You know, just like all of this stuff could have been played so camp and it's not. It's yeah. like, but it is a spectacle. <laughs> I have to say Andy McDowell and Jada Pinkett Smith both feel like they're having the best time making Jada this Pinkett movie. Smith is fucking um, She's unbelievable. so good. I think there She's was like great. a small campaign to try to get her best supporting this year she was great um, well because she's playing the mcconaughey role basically yes. and you're yeah. like who could top mcconaughey like turns yep. out it's jada pinkett smith uh yeah oh it's so yeah, good just great mood lifter joe, i'm happy just thinking about it right let's now just, yeah no totally let's talk about joe manganello just for one second <laughs> is it okay to call him the armenian stallion <laughs> maybe it barely rhymes but yeah maybe <laughs> well he's so amazing um he does a routine to a backstreet boys song it's i believe so it is i want it that way it is indeed uh, i in a 7-eleven think i i like teared up the first time i saw it because <laughs> it's like they're trying to get the the lady at the register to smile because she just seems like really dour or something i think that's it and so they're like taking bets and who can get her to smile by like sexy dancing in the middle of the 7-eleven <laughs> and it's so cute it's so it's like overly sexual but completely non-threatening which is like this weirdly weirdly specific balance just that the movie strikes in general but especially well, also here. his character is on ecstasy oh, and right. has like has <laughs> kind of forgotten i i it's this is this is following a pep talk where it's like you don't want to be a fireman like you're afraid of fire you don't want to like wear the the stupid outfit that like you want to so funny just connect with like what you want like make her like happy that's yeah. what you want when they're just like rolling their faces off in like the middle of the day, all sweaty on the bus. It's so funny. <laughs> also, Gabriel Iglesias, shout out. Oh, yeah. Um, 
he is also in this and, and yeah. great. Just a lot of random people. Donald Glover briefly gives like one of the best monologues of the entire movie. Yeah. And he does like the whole um like he makes up a song for a girl that yeah, I always those remember. were the those Caroline. were the those were the worst uh, strippers at the the Magic Mike XXL show were the ones who also sang. And the reason oh, yeah. is because it impedes their dancing. <laughs> right. You know? Right. Just focus on one thing. It's a great movie to send us off at the end of spring break March. A very weird spring yeah. break March. But um, I think this has like the best vibes of anything that we've Definitely. watched. If totally. you want to feel good or like just remember what it feels like to feel good. Yeah. <laughs> Nightcall recommends that was a Magic Mike and Magic Mike XXL. Indeed. Double down. And next up in April, it's Plastic Surgery Month. We'll be Yay. taking your night calls all month about plastic surgery and anything related to it. Give us a night call at 240-466-4448. That's 240-46-NIGHT. America may not be resurrected in time for Easter, but we're going to celebrate transformation and rebirth with <laughs> plastic surgery April. Um, I'm going to have to be biting my tongue throughout all of April. <laughs> I have such strong opinions about plastic surgery. I'm excited to hear what you guys uh, have to offer. We wouldn't be doing this if we all didn't have strong feelings about it one way or the other. Um, and, and it's not limited to surgery. Um, you know, we're down to talk about injectables, Botox, <laughs> microdermabrasion um we're gonna do the movie face off yeah <laughs> yes definitely so yeah we that know counts, for sure that counts just becomes her we're gonna stay on the zemeckis train so mm-hmm. um so yeah looking forward to that uh just more stuff to keep your mind off of uh keep your mind on other bodily horrors um <laughs> instead of the particular ones we're all dealing with right now uh, yeah we'll be back next week with more night call and you can follow us on social media. We are on Twitter at NightCallPod, Instagram and Facebook at Night Call Podcasts. Subscribe to us on iTunes and leave us a rating or wherever you listen to podcasts. And support us on Patreon. We just um, posted a bonus episode from our Patreon feed, uh, our first ever movie club episode, which we'll be doing every month on the Patreon feed. So if you uh, go to patreon.com slash nightcall and support us at the $5 level, you'll get all of our bonus episodes and it'll be super fun. So check that out and see you all next week. Nightcall is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Infinity Presents, a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from The Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer.
Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. That makes us FACET for life now, I guess. (laughs) Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. Hey, hey, it's Malcolm Gladwell, host of Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Your elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive entirely its own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. What's up, y'all? Janice Torres here. And I'm Austin Hankwitz. We're the hosts of Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories, a podcast presented by iHeartRadio's Ruby Studios and Intuit QuickBooks. Join us as we speak with small business owners about the tools they use to turn their ideas into success. From finding that initial spark of entrepreneurship to organizing payments and invoices, we've got you covered. So follow and listen to Mind the Business Small Business Success Stories on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts.